All right, welcome everybody to Guitar Talk. I'm your host, Jimmy Warren. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to give a big shout out to all the people that are listening to us right now in the Netherlands, Germany, Belgium, Spain, France, uh, the UK, Australia, South America, you know, Brazil. Thank you so much for tuning in. You know, people tune in from about 44 different countries around the world, and we are very appreciative. You know, I just had a conversation with a musician from the UK, and he said that he was just talking to some chaps that he knows, and they were all talking about how they listen to the show, and they know who we are, and all that kind of stuff, and it's always a pleasure to have that. So, we've got a great show in store for you today. In case you don't know, and I'm going to bring this out, because it's, you know, it's common knowledge now for the most part. I own and I'm the president of a record label called Fret Bar Records. I've got a handful of artists that I represent, that I manage, and that I have on my label, and that have releases and that coming out. And so this show is, you know, a shameless plug for one of those bands, but they're really a great band, and Sal is really an amazing guitarist. You're going to really enjoy this. So the band is Colossal Street Jam. Sal Mara is the guitar player, and he's my guest today. They've got a new single coming out on Friday, November 3rd, called No Way to Live. Man, just a great, great band, a rock band. You know what? They're, they kind of fall into that new classic rock kind of vibe, if you will. But Sal is, I mean, he's the guy that puts the riffs together that, that builds the songs. They've got some great songs. They've got a great sound, and he's a really, really good player. I mean, this guy knows music too, man. It's like I, you're going to find that out as you listen to this conversation. This is a guy who really knows music, and this is a, a fun conversation for me. So do yourself a favor. Kick back, put your feet up, get a nice cool beverage, and enjoy this conversation with my good friend Salmara of the Colossal Street Jam right here on Guitar Talk. There uh, we go. Can you can you tilt the video down? So no, the other way. There we go. A little bit more. There you go. Perfect. And now How you doing, like, Jimmy? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good. We finally now, got I, it. I'm gonna tell you something. I, I don't I, I'm not a big drinker, right? I I never drank on my show before, but because of you, I had to get a beer. Nice. <laughs> and and I quit drinking 55 days ago. <laughs> Did you really? Well, good for you, man. I went. I went. Oh my God! I I bet I went 30 years without touching anything. Wow. And then, yeah, and it's like I mean I I drink like I don't know. Maybe once a month, twice a month. Ah, that's yeah. not gonna. That's nothing. Yeah, yeah, nothing. So, how are you doing, man? I'm I'm doing really well. I yeah. feel fantastic. I'm I'm excited about everything that's gonna go on, and you know what? We're looking forward to working with you. It's gonna be a really uh, it's gonna be a really fun time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited for your show tomorrow. Which yeah, means, me too. Man. I'm fair. I'm, I'm gonna bring my. I think I'm gonna bring Burn and Stormbringer both. Oh really? The vinyls, yeah. Because you know what? Last uh, back in '96, I opened up for Deep Purple 
Michael over at the uh, Paramount Theater in Asbury. But that was with Steve Morse. But John Lord was still there. So yeah. I brought Made in Japan and did a shot of whiskey with all them in their bus. And then I got them all to sign my album, which is fantastic. And then I brought a Dregs album, not to leave Steve Morse out. Yeah. And and he signed the Dregs album. I was like, I know you're not on this album, but you're on this one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was That's really cool. cool. Sweet guys, all of them. And we got we played with Steve Morse quite a few times in the early 90s. He's a great guy on top of being an amazing guitar player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's always a, uh, I don't know, it's always a treat when you're a guitar player and you got somebody like that in your presence and you get to oh. sign with them. Yeah. The, the best the best one for me was Johnny Winter though that that was we opened up for him um here back in like 90 and then um at the request of of him and his manager which we were blown away we get a call about a month later they're like oh we're playing at the Stone Pony uh Johnny would like to have you guys play again and I was like oh my god you know I'm thinking yeah. I'm like this is unreal and the first show we did with him um, you know, of course we got to meet him. He was just so cool. But during our set, I looked over by the curtain and he had his head and he was listening to us. And I was like, I was only like 23. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> you yeah. know, but it was an amazing, he was like inspiring, not only his playing, but the way he handled the discussions about the guitar. He was really like, you know, you could tell he was a forever student. Yeah. You know, always getting better, like Jeff Beck got better and better and better you're like i saw him a few years ago thank god i got to see him right before he passed and he just you know i've never been brought to tears at a show from the guitar and he did day in the life and i was really close and i was following day in the life in my head of course the beatles version while he was playing it and just the nuances and the way he was doing it i was just you know, I was chicken skin everywhere. It was unbelievable. And then my my buddy looked at me and I was tearing. He goes, dude, are you crying? I was like, bro, that was the most unbelievable emotional ride I've ever seen anybody take on a guitar. It was just, oh, oh man. Yeah, John. That broke my heart when he died. That was because he's my he's in my top three. Him and Hendrix and Jimmy Page are really my my three guys. Yeah. And when I heard he died, I was actually in with my family in Hawaii on vacation. And my daughter comes running up to me. She goes, uh, Jeff Beck died. And I'm like, what? You know, he looked fat. When I saw him, he didn't look 77 or 76 when I saw him. Right. He looked really well. I mean, that's why I was so shocked when he died. I'm like, wow. Oh, yeah. that was a tough one. That yeah. was a really tough one. Yeah, those those are all really amazing players. Those are the the influential guys. I was fortunate, you know, I got to, I got to open for winter a couple of times. I knew Johnny really well. I interviewed Johnny on my old radio show one week to the day before he passed. Oh my and, god. Yeah, and uh, you know it's funny, well, it's not funny, but I never aired that interview. I I did an interview the same thing happened with Jack Bruce a cream. I interviewed <laughs> Jack Bruce a week before Jack passed. And I never aired the interview because it was just like, it was an emotional thing for me because yeah. I was a huge Cream fan. Oh. You know, same with Johnny Winter. You know, I love Johnny Winter too. And, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I only got to meet Beck once. As a matter of fact, I got a picture of me with him. It's him, Billy Gibbons, and Jimmy Vaughn. 
it was it was pretty good the, company. <laughs> yeah, it was the Ravina in in Chicago in that. But uh, wow. yeah, I mean, those influences are, you know, tough. Uh, they're life changing. You know. Oh yeah, and and they still grow on you. They still like. I still listen to the. I love the second Jeff Beck group albums, yeah. Rough and Ready and the Orange album. Yeah. I mean, Bobby Tench has been, I don't know how more people don't know about, he was an amazing singer and I apparently played pretty good guitar too, I heard. Yeah. But of course, around Jeff Beck, you got to make sure you're doing the right thing with yeah. the guitar in your head. Uh, well, that's not necessarily true. I don't know. No, I know, I know. You saw Johnny Depp with Jeff Beck, but... <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show, you know, if you got money. But I, yeah, but he, apparently he's he's also a devoted rock fan himself. So I think they picked that up too. And you know what? He also brings more more visibility to the project. So, you know, like when he played with Jeff Beck, it was all these like little kitties in there for for Johnny Depp. But at the same time, you're bringing a younger generation yeah. to see, you know. And it, I think that's important. Like when I saw Jeff, he was with Buddy Guy opening, yeah. and oh my! And Buddy Guy, I got to tell you, he was probably 83 at the time. The command he had on the audience with his yeah. playing and walking out into the crowd, and just you know. And then when he came out with Jeff, Jeff bowed to him, and I'm thinking, wow. Now Jeff Beck's bowing to Buddy Guy. I'm like, oh, oh man, I'm seeing it all tonight. <laughs> yeah. I was actually scheduled to interview Johnny Depp and uh, Joe Perry from uh, the Hollywood Vampires. But I was, yes, I was scheduled to interview them just shortly before Beck passed, and then once oh. Beck passed, of course, that threw that all off because you yeah. know Johnny. Evidently, Johnny's like super, super close to. To Jeff and his family and stuff, and yeah, I haven't been able to get that back, and I've been trying, but you know, it's it's amazing though. So, so let me ask you this, Al. I mean, you're definitely a rocker. You know, you love rock and roll music, you love blues and stuff. But I, I as a guitar player, we take influence from so many different things, so many different genres, so many different instruments. You know, would you say that that that's the way you are. And if so, who are some of the other, you know, other people out there that are uh, in the rock blues world? That I, yeah, well, I I remember, uh, I could definitely say John McLaughlin. I wow. remember um, discovering the, um, the first Mahavishnu album and, you know, taking me a week to get the timing of, I guess, uh, what was the first song, Meeting of the Spirits. I remember trying to, because I just started playing guitar, and I'm like trying to tap my foot, and I'm like, "Where the hell's one?" You know. And then I'm hearing these guys playing, and they're and they're just, yeah. and I, thank God, I I was I was um, my very good friend, uh, growing up, older brother, who was about seven years older than me, which made it perfect because he was playing all that stuff that we were a little too young to, you know, be in that window of, but um. John McLaughlin's one, I love, and I do love Clapton to death. I really do. But I'm going to, and I love Carlos Santana. I, I think my style is a lot like his when I go into improv, only because I like the minor major uh, thing. That Clapton did that 
which is amazing when you go back and listen to Clapton and Cream. Um, the the playing in and out of major and minor pentatonic together is really interesting for guys that didn't read music at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I I can't read a note, but I did have some great teachers as a, as a child that showed me the modes and how to move around, how to let your ear pick up the tune, but yet you have the theory to go out and, and set up the fence posts and say, okay, I can run wild inside of here. And I'm really thankful that I did have those kind of teachers when I was young because they saw I wasn't really scholarly. Like I was, wasn't going to be a sight reader. You know, I was looking at the other wall when he was talking to me, talking about the Mel Bay book. And I'm like, this ain't going to work. I don't think I'm going to play, you know? And then finally I got a teacher who was like, listen, I'm going to show you, let's learn. What do you like to listen to? You know, I'm bringing in doors, cassettes and bringing in Jimi Hendrix and all that. And I just, that's how I learned. And then I uh, ended up going to a national guitar. You probably remember this. Remember the national guitar summer workshop was like a camp and they did it. I, I went the first year. It was like 1980. I, I want to say 85. So I think about 85 or 86. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was even before that. I would say it was around 83. I was about 16. Um, and we did crash course for a week, man. You had all these great, great teachers from like Berkeley and then other great like jazz players and stuff. And I still have that blue notebook. And I learned so many scales that week, all these different, and then really dissected the modes and stuff like that, which is great. I still can't read one note of music, which is I've, I'm actually proud about now because you could put on pretty much any kind of music and I can, within about 15 seconds, I can weave in and out and I can start to do my thing. And I've trained my ear to take the theory that I do know and apply it. And I, you know, and I don't all the time, but it's kind of there. It's kind of there in the background. And those early guys, like, you know, hearing McLaughlin, hearing Jeff Beck early on, you know, hearing Hendrix and being like, boy, there's, I'm going to, there's an infinite amount of ideas that that's going to go on the rest of my life. Cause this guy's doing it, you know? And now I look back and I'm like, man, he did all that. And he died at 27. And everything we've heard about him, he did before he was 27. So that's always my argument to other guitar players. They're like, oh, this guy's better than Hendrix. I'm like, okay, let me just put this into perspective to you. He did what he did, and he di- died at 27. Not only that, but people forget the biggest part about Hendrix. Not only was a great entertainer, he was a great songwriter. Because his influence was, his main influence was Bob Dylan. So it makes total sense when you listen to Axe's Boldest Love and the picturesque lyrics that he's got, complete Bob Dylan. I mean, yeah. right out of, it's amazing. And that's what it is. It's the combo. Like, I love Satriani and Vi and those guys. They're great. They're great. But you know what? Don't like their music. And I and it, even with Fish, I think Trey's an amazing guitar player. I can't stand Fish's music. It, yeah. It's just, I don't, you know, I, people are like, you're nuts. I'm like, it's not. I don't disrespect them. It just, it doesn't do it for me. It doesn't, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, one thing, one thing that I've noticed in just the, you know, handful of minutes that we've been talking is that I can tell that you're a guy that has been in love and very passionate about music for a very long time. Yes. Because, because most people, they like music. They might even love it to some degree, 
but to be able to discuss it the way that you are in depth, you know what I yeah. mean? To really go in behind the scenes of whatever. I mean, that says an awful lot. We're a little bit different because I, I'm the same way, but I didn't start playing until I was 27. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I was a little late. I, I started around 14, but yeah, you know, 27. I, I was a fanatic for the guitar ever since I was a kid. <laughs> I absolutely loved the guitar. I, I I was I gravitated towards all the I went to Van Halen's first concert. Oh, so it was, oh. it's like I, I mean I always gravitated towards the guitar, had a guitar. Wow. Never picked it up. You know, never I mean I would smoke a little weed, fuck around with it for a minute, but Right, you know, right, but like I never played or nothing, and that. But it was it. What was crazy was uh, when I was in the Navy, I was stationed in Norfolk, Virginia, and I went to Hampton's Boatyard. It was Bessie's Boathouse in Hampton, Virginia, and this was 1983, and I saw Stevie Ray Vaughan open up for Cheap Trick, <laughs> and I, I'd been to a million concerts by then. I mean, I literally, I. I mean, hundreds of concerts as a kid in that, but that Stevie Ray Vaughan show blew me away. And I don't know what it was. It was like a handful of years later, I'm on a bus, a Greyhound bus driving to St. Louis in that, and I'm got headphones on and I'm listening to Stevie Ray Vaughan. And by the time I got to St. Louis and got back up to where I was in Illinois, I said, fuck it, I'm going to get a guitar and I'm going to learn how to play. <laughs> it was from the time that I said that to the time I was playing guitar for Buddy Miles, my first gig <laughs> was, was 13 months later. <laughs> wow. But but I'm talk just, about I'm crash just, course. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm saying, I mean, you, you get to the point to where all you do is live and breathe it. It is. It is. I, I did. Yeah. And, you know, and the thing is, is you also, one thing about starting later is that you, um, I think you can absorb, not, I don't want to say absorb because I think you're, you're actually absorb a lot when you're young, but I think you can, um, you can put a stamp on your style because you're a bit older. And I think like my friends that started younger than me, they're not, they're really not that good anymore. But I started at a time where I was passionate about playing soccer, but yet I oh, and my dad played guitar and has still played, you know, always played the guitar, but I was not into, I was into, I loved music like you did. I loved music, went to concerts, you know, still have pictures of me with glasses on playing out with John at the coffee table. You know, I was always a fan of music. Yeah. Um, but like you, I didn't pick it up. My friends were picking it up and I was still playing soccer, but I, it was so weird when I finally picked it up. And then there was that moment where you pick it up and you, you touch it and you're playing it and then you're like, oh my God. And now here I am at 56. So 42 years later, and I am still a student. I yeah. will always be a student. I will never, I watch everyone like a hawk when I watch other guys play, even if I can clamp a lick off of somebody and then throw it in a jar and dump it out and play it upside down or backwards or whatever. Yeah. And you find, I don't know which, you know, I, to me, that's a lot of my vocabulary is that I can, I understand theory, but a lot of times I'll be thinking, you know, I'll be like, oh, you know, 
Mick Taylor exile Main Street. I'll just say that to myself in my head. And then I'll be thinking about, you know, Torn and Frayed and all these songs and what highlights on the guitar I love in those songs. And then I try to remember what I'm playing with at the moment, you know, doesn't always work out, but I'm getting better at autopiling, doing hitting the autopilot and doing stuff like that. And then, like I said, I'm forever working towards, you know, thought combinations to make you try different things. And, you know, it's, it's very weird. I, ha I really do have almost like a childish passion for playing the guitar. Yeah. It, it's, and I've been able to keep it my whole life. I really have. I mean, like after Jeff Beck died, I had three months of just Jeff Beck, you know, catch yeah. finding everything on YouTube, going super deep on YouTube and finding some great performances of his from like, you know, around the rough and ready album, which is my favorite album of his. I don't yeah. The song Jody is on the, it's the first song I put on when I heard he died. Jody has this beautiful melody that, and oh my God, when he comes in with that, you're like, you know, the chicken's coming out of my body. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. It's just, you know, and he was only 27, by the way. That's 70, 1971. Yeah. He was only 27 and he played with that that fury and that the, the placement of his notes were just, you know, it wasn't necessarily fast or flashy at all. It was how he put them there. I'm like, you know, and then to see him, and he's, he's probably the perfect example of a guitar player who actually got better as he got older. And, you know, he's, he was out there. And to me, guys like him and Eddie Van Halen and Hendrix, those guys changed all the rules completely, completely. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so let so let me ask you this. You know, it's uh, when when we're when we're starting out or when we're developing ourselves as players. You know, sometimes there's there's certain things that we do that are distinctive in making us who we become. Right. Sure. So what are some of what are some of the things? And I and I've asked some of the greatest players in the world the same exact question because I, you know, this isn't an interview, this is a conversation. Yeah. And, and so so, but the one question I always want to know is I want to know what are the things that you did while you're developing yourself? Because I know there's a shitload of stuff we do. Uh, yeah, yeah. But when it's all said and done, you can look back and you can go, well, here's a couple of things that I know were really influential in helping me become who I am. What are those things for you, Sal? Um, definitely jamming with, playing with other musicians just as I started playing guitar. And I think that I, I and I could almost safely say that a lot of that's missing with this generation because everything's, you know, pro tools and this and that. You know, we used to lug our amps to each other's garages and bedrooms and put on, you know, dark side of the moon and, and figure out the guitar parts together, two or three guys hanging out in a room and then getting it. And just that camaraderie that I think is probably the most important element of being a musician is that you have to respect everyone's opinion in the room that has an instrument in their hand. Cause no matter how good you are, everyone has a great day and to shut someone down and not allow them to ever put that thing forward it's those kind of things I think really that inspire me now. Like when Colossal got back together in, in 14 and we had, you know, we still all played in and out of bands with each other. But when we got back together, 
a lot of the the things that were the emotional things that probably are the reason why we ended up splitting up when we we're young um we're all of a sudden gone you know because we're older and way more patient you know we were there's no blaming anybody for anything there's no you know so now i look back and we're now together longer than we were on the first incarnation when we first got together this year will put us one year longer than we were back then we've been way more productive than we were in those first seven years and um the well's gonna run deep i have um i'm constantly inspired because i'm always i'm always playing like i'll put like stuff on just like classic rock stations on my tv or whatever and just you know eddie van halen used to say this all the time sometimes you got to play guitar and not play guitar and i know exactly what he meant was to have it in your hand get your coordination moving get your fingers moving then let your brain go somewhere if you're watching something else or you're you're learning the, the rhythm of a song that came on the tv and you're like oh that's cool oh now i know that song whatever it is it's those things i think really that make the musician get better as they get older because our capacity is bigger. I mean, my, my, uh, I call it the Terminator when he looks, when he looked at, at things in the first movie and he had that thing on the side of his head that read out what he was looking at. I almost have that kind of stuff going on in my head when I'm playing. Um, because you have to, you know, you want to, you want to play with the people you're playing with, not you playing and they're playing, but playing together. And, yeah. That's where I think the jamming, every time I meet young kids and I see them, and some kids got some serious chops these days. I'm seeing kids that are like 12 playing like that neo, like metal classic. And I'm like, this kid's probably hasn't even shaved yet. And he's playing <laughs> an arpeggio at the speed of light. And But I'm thinking to myself, but you got to get in the band. You got to get in the room with a drummer and a bass player because it's a whole different game. It's a whole nother monster. It. You have to, you either can do it or you can't do it. Yeah. And I know a lot of guys that I respect as musicians, but they just can't go up there off the cuff and be a part of the ensemble and, yeah. and do something good. And, you know, not go out there and just tear it up and whatever else, but actually weave into the fabric of the music that's going on with the other guys and, you know, do a little licks to have the other guy come back and play a lick against you and, you know, I those things you can't learn in a book. You can't learn on the computer. You got that's emotion. It's it's breathing. It's air in the room. It, there's so many factors in playing guitar and in a band. And and those are the things I can tell you, Jimmy. Those are the things that I crave still to this day. Like I still get butterflies going to rehearsal, and people laugh at me like, "What?" I'm like, "Well, you understand is that." I don't want to say that we're kind of in a courtroom for musicians at rehearsal, but we kind of are because we don't have the time to be together every night for three hours to get one idea. You know, we're, we, we pretty much work pretty efficiently and, and, you know, I still get, and I get nervous. I, I want to be productive. I want the band to be productive every time we get together. Thanks. So. Hey, hey Sal, <laughs> can you turn, there you go. Cause there we go. I'm floating away. I got the top of your head and the ceiling. It's like, but you know what? It's it's like your your response to that that question is really good because when I when I look back and I don't like I don't I don't like to come on the show and and talk about my own shit. But when I when I look back, I think about 
the best thing that I could possibly do was surround myself live with people that are better than me. That's it. Cause you know, you know, you know what, it, cause when I tell people the the time frame, and I don't normally talk about it, when I tell people the time frame from the time I picked it up to the time I was doing it for a living, there's a reason that happened because I convinced some guys to let me get in a band and the guy who was the drummer of that band was Kevin Johnson, who at that time was Buddy Guy's drummer. And he was also in the house band at Buddy Guy's. And so I see the ceiling again. Oh, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get this thing. Oh, there we go. I just want to plug it in. Here we go. There we go. And, and, so, uh, and so he would take me to Chicago to Buddy Guy's when he was up there jamming and hanging out so that I could just sit in with people. And... In every and I and I sucked and I know I sucked. I was just starting. <laughs> right? I was just starting, but by by getting up on that stage with all those people who were far better than me, just trying to to hang on. You know, I I my my only goal as a musician was this: I wanted to be able to stand on that stage and be able to hold my own regardless of who was on that stage. That's yep. all I wanted to do. I don't care about anything else. I just want to be able to get on stage with other great musicians and be and able to hold my own. That's it. I, I don't need to be the best. I just nope. want to hold my own. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to surround yourself. If you, it's that live atmosphere. It's that, that, that jamming and playing and feeding off of one another. Yeah. I think that's what makes players really, really great live yes it helps you when it comes to improv it helps you when it comes to you know being able to think quick on your feet oh yeah you know yeah. what i mean it helps you to get because you don't know where people are going to go and what people are going to do it's right it's like this conversation who knows i might start talking about brothels here in a minute and if <laughs> i do you got to be able to kick in with the brothel story. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, Even if you don't have none, you got to be able to keep up. Yeah. You got to at least make one up. <laughs> I love it. And that's the I way it, it is. That's the way it is. That's really cool. So, so, you know, so when you were, when you were starting and you were developing yourself in that, I, I'm guessing that you knew early on, this was kind of the path you wanted to take. Yeah, I did. I, I really did. Because I, the thing is, is the same passion I had as a youngster with a soccer ball had now transferred itself over to the guitar. And because for everything that I loved, all the songs that I heard my whole life and I was a huge fan of, I had all this time in front of me to actually learn all the, all this stuff. And it was really exciting. If I was doing that and I was a lawyer, I'd be a billionaire by now. If I think all the hours that I put in, but you know, in those formative years, I, I played a lot. I played three and four hours a day, but I would just play. I would run my stereo and just let, you know, let albums go through and then flip them over and just play and whatever I could grab, I grabbed then, Oh, he cool. He's in C minor, you know, but then as time went on and I got, I got better then I started to slow him down and go, you know what? I can figure this song out in a half an hour. And then there was that stage. And I yeah. think about all that time I put in and it's, it's put to use every moment that I perform. It every bit of all those stories are all there every night when I play, because I, 
it's like they say you pack the cannons before the the fight. Well, yeah, I I have a lot of gunpowder from all these years of, like I said, being a forever student, always trying to learn something different, you know, and even if it's a lick or it's a chord and, you know, then being a songwriter, it, it's the well, it runs forever. I can never run out of material because all I got to do is listen to an artist for two or three days and I get right into their, into their little groove, you know, and say, ah, oh, okay. Now I, I, I know the way it's right arm works when he's writing the song and I can, you know, I can, I forgot what artist said this, but good composers borrow and great composers steal. And I don't know who said that, but that might be the banner that I would run in my life because some people say, Oh, that sounds like something from that album. And I'm like, you're right. Because I, that's what I was thinking of. I was thinking of that period you know, and I've never been, no one's ever said to me, hey, you ripped that song up. That's never happened. I've gotten close. There's some songs where I go back and I hear another song and I go, oh man, we're really close there. But you know what? Thank God it's, there's still a turn off at some point, but there's only 12 notes for God's sake. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I mean, You're gonna, you're gonna I think of all the rock albums, all the albums out there. Progressions have been played hundreds of times and you, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna, you have to distinguish with when you hear something that you're playing. Is that directly something I was thinking of, or was it something that sounds like this song that that just you know? And I'm pretty hard on myself with that. I have I probably throw half my song ideas away because they to me they they're not that I did it you know intentionally, but they sound too much like another song, and I'm like, you know, maybe I'll steal the bridge from that song and use it somewhere else, you know, and yeah. stuff like that, which is cool. And, and, but I, you know, you have to, now I have the rest of my life to become more of a songwriter. I mean, I've always, since I was 18, I, I wrote songs, but really the past like 12, 15 years, really writing because I've listened to so much different music now, um, you know, from everything from, from rock and then from all the folky stuff and, even a lot of the girl singers, like, you know, like, like early Carol King and stuff like that, you know, it's the, the songwriting is, is, is a, incredible. And then you go back and listen to them and, you know, the guitar playing is pretty good on a lot of those songs too, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, oh, whoever those guys were, I know in the, probably that whole early seventies, LA session guitar guys. I know Jesse Ed Davis was probably one of them, the Indian guy. Um, and then, who knows all the other hosts of guys that, that played on everybody's records back then. I mean, I think Wadi Wacho probably came in around that time too for Linda Ronstadt, I think. Yeah. And he's great. He's another one. He's a chameleon, that guy. Mm -hmm. You know, he's with Stevie Nicks one night, expensive winos another night, can play with anybody. I mean, he's, you know, talk about a guy who just wants to get on stage and play. That guy has played forever. He's been playing, he's played probably the biggest stadiums, the biggest arenas. You know, all the best clubs and theaters. And, you know, apparently he's a cool guy because, you know, Keith Richards wants him around. So <laughs> I would think who is on my shirt, by the way. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's, it's, uh, he's, he's a guy that, that's really interesting for me from the standpoint of what a purist he is when it comes to sound and that guitar to an amp. That's it. Nothing else no reverb no nothing just guitar to amp you know and you don't you don't run across guys like that too often 
especially, you know, that have that the ability to make that fit all those things, you know, so incredibly well, you know, because, you know, because I I don't know. I mean, it's like you don't see that very often. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are purists in the sense that just go guitar to amp. But when you don't use like somebody, most guys will use something to color it a little bit, a little bit. of Yeah, I mean, a little bit of something. He don't use anything. But, it's, it's uh, like, <clears throat> I've got an EQ. It's like I've got a volume knob. <laughs> hey, but you know what? There's so much less to think about. Yeah. When I first started playing rock music in an original band, I used to go out with a, a, a Marshall half stack, my Les Paul, and a Wawa pedal. Yeah. And that was it. And yeah. the Wawa was enough because I had to have the Wawa because, you know what, Hendrix had the Wawa. And when I, I was like you got to have a Wawa. So, yeah. but then I discovered, oh my God, there's like five different sounds with the Wawa. But, you know, you, you kick it in and let it, let it screech like a cat, leave it in that cat mode yeah. and get piercing, piercing high notes on the guitar. You know, you can't do it for too long because people start to grab their ears. You can right. get that. Michael Schenker, by the way, was very good at that. Yeah. Michael Schenker. And I'm not a big fan of his, but when I heard about that, I started to listen to some of his stuff like the like the late 70s stuff his playing was really uh kind of ahead of its time especially from where he came from yeah you know really i heard i don't know maybe you know this but did the stones ask him do did he maybe audition for them at the time oh. when mick taylor left i that i don't know but that's that's an interesting i know daryl the bass player for the stones i know daryl real well yeah he's awesome yeah, but i've uh, i've never I've never even heard that, you know, but then again, you know, we go back to what I said earlier about being so engulfed in it. Yeah. Know? I mean, I, mean, can, I, I know they, they asked Peter Frampton. They did ask Peter Frampton. They asked Jeff Beck. They actually asked Steve Marriott, which I could see Steve Marriott being like, that little chicken is going to be running in front of me singing because yeah. he's one of my favorite singers of all time. Yeah. Steve Marriott's voice was just, and then to know that he was only like a 95 pound guy yeah. and that, you know, and my guitar teacher as a kid, check this out. He saw him in Asbury Park, 1970. So Peter Frampton was still with Humble Pie. Um, he said Peter Frampton looked like he, he probably didn't even shave yet. He was like baby faced. Yeah. But all he can remember is for they had stacks of marshals, uh, you know, so Greg Ridley, um, of course, Marriott and Peter Frampton all had giant marshal stacks. And my teacher told me, who passed away, rest his soul, um, said to me, um, I'll never forget that Steve Marriott was a good 10 to 15 feet away from the microphone. The band was cranking, cranking out all the guitars, firing on all pistons. And he starts singing and he can hear him singing over those amplifiers. And he was nowhere near the microphone. He goes, to this day, he goes, that was the single most strongest vocal in rock music I've ever heard. And he goes, and tend to look at him. And he looked, he's like, the guy didn't even weigh 100 pounds. He's like, where did this come from? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Amazing voice for the littlest guy. Yeah. You know? And a good guitar player, too. Yeah. So so let, let, let's, let's talk about your band. Why don't you, you know, tell people, let people know a little bit about colossal street jam you know it's like i'm i'm familiar with you i you know i've got all your stuff 
you know, I, I really like a lot of the music you guys do. Uh, it's really reminiscent of the 70s, which yeah. is something that I absolutely love in that. But, uh, you know, I mean, you got, you, you've got an audience now, man. This, you've we got do. A big I, I'm going to, and I need to put, well, I can say that if there's a, a title of new classic rock, I think that we can actually take that title because I the Colossal Street Jam is gonna if we if we continue to go out and play to people who don't know us because it seems like every time we do we make like lifelong fans and and also the adulation is amazing for someone who's not famous in any way to get that from strangers to come up and they grab your arm and say you guys are phenomenal. You guys are amazing. The chemistry is awesome. You know, the songs are really good. You know, like I told you, well, I think Gene probably told you that, you know, we play with winery dogs. Uh, Billy Sheehan was on the, on the other side, on the keyboard player side behind the Hammond, you know, smiling, smiling. And I'm looking over there and going, oh, man, uh oh, you know, I better make sure that we do what we do. And amazingly, the band did really well. It's, the crowd got louder every song. We got to the end, and it was just we had, we ended with Green Eyed Lady, and we made our versions longer than the original, which is funny because the original's like six fifty, and ours is like our studio version's like seven forty, but our live version is like probably about 10, 11, 12 minutes. We do some crazy stuff. I do like a pseudo George Benson where I sing my guitar notes for a while, my solo. And people get all excited, you know, but I think I want to say the Colossal is going to bring that element of 70s feel good, ride the energy of the moment, rock music. And does it mean it has to be bashing? Because I, I love ballads. I love acoustic stuff. I love which you heard on, on the new, you know, on the newest release. Um, our version of the of a song that we recorded a while ago, Songbird. We did a beautiful version with just acoustic vocals and violin and viola. It was just, and I, our producer, I didn't know this was going to happen. I came in, he goes, sit down. I want to play you something. And he played me. And it was the first time in my life that I actually got serious goose pimples from my own music. where Because it came from another, it was completely a different version of a song. And it ends up being the best, I think, to me it's the best version of the song because it's more in its pure form. And, you know, but that whole thing, I think the whole thing with Colossal is we're going to, that's what we're going to push for. And I think it works really well because a lot of the 20 year old kids, musicians are really hip to that. You know, they're wearing thin Lizzy t-shirts. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know what? I didn't see thin Lizzy t-shirts when I was in high school in 84, 85, but now you're seeing it on, and I'm like, okay, there's hope. However way this guy got a hold of a Thin Lizzy t-shirt, there's got to be a vein somewhere that's connected to that t-shirt. And, you know, and I and I think that there's enough people out there that want to hear that kind of original music where, you know, it brings you back to that kind of time where I think, you know, the 70s, you know, we can just say it. It was the best era of, of, of music all around because think about, you know, go from Pink Floyd to Al Green to disco, to, I mean, it's, a, you know, to the Bee Gees, to there's, there's so much in that 10 year period that, you know, you could, you could rewrite that whole era for the next thousand years 
Do you want to just you know be inspired by the years of the band, you know, of all the music? Yeah, and I think I think that that's where we're going to head with Colossal. I think we're gonna we're gonna have the element of a song that you can connect to and say, "Oh, that's a cool little hook." But beyond that, performance on the song, and especially live, because we really change it up live. And you know, I get hell for it from the rest of the band, but I always say, "Guys, come on, you know what? Let's you know let the song live a different life sometimes because you don't know, you don't know till you try it and you know, I know, you know, these shows when we play for 40, for 40 or 45 minutes, you kind of got to put together, I call the Zeppelin set, where you go out and you just, you know, you're just swinging for the chin. Yeah. But you don't want to do it all the time. And once we get to the hour, 15, hour, 20 um, range of performing, then we get to really bring out some of the other stuff. And right. I think Colossal is going to have a lot of all the different aspects of the music. There's going to be the prog rock in there. There's going to be the seventies pop one hit wonder type stuff. Then there's going to be the, you know, cause I'm a fan of all of it. You know, I, people are like, how can you like that song? I'm like, are you kidding me? A good song. I don't care how it's played. A good song's a good song. It's just, it's that's. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, Colossal can get that going and people can come out and say, Hey, you know what? This band's riding on a different wave. This is a little bit different here. They're, yeah, they jam, but there's there's actually the song's very important to this band. Yeah. And that, that's the biggest thing, I think. And it's hard for a guitar player to admit that. But you know yeah. what? The song's more important than the guitar player. <laughs> you, you know, that's that's funny because, you know, I think I think as you, you know, lack of a better word, I think if as you mature as a, as a musician, as a guitarist, you start to understand that it's not about the guitar. It's about the song. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, I did some segments on my show uh, that were just simply titled Why I Like, Why I Like Steve, uh, I mean, Why I Like Neil Sean was one of them, and Why I, why, why I Like Gary Richrath. And, and the reason that I chose some of those guys is because those are players that played. I mean, everything they did was for that song. For the song. Their, their, their solos weren't really solos. They were an extension of that song. It wasn't yeah. like, okay, here's the song. Okay, now the guitar player is going to do something. And no, now we're going back to the song. And as you, as you, as you, uh, I don't know, as, I mean, mature, I guess that's the word I'm going to use. As you mature as a player, or as you should, you start to understand. Yes. It's about melody. It's uh, about yes. song. It's, you know, it's about... It's about the conversation on stage you know, between people. Because one of the things that I noticed in the live videos that I've seen of the Street Jam is that on stage, I mean, it, it's, again, lack of better words, it's a performance. I mean, it, it really is a performance. I mean, it's you guys are making whatever song you're doing something special each song is something special it's not like we're just jamming on this song okay now we're going to jam on this song it's no like, you know what i mean it's like yeah yeah there's certain bands when you go see them and you see them live you go there's there's magic taking place up there you know and i'm glad i get to to be a part of witnessing it you know i, I 
I'm I'm super happy myself, and I and I I'm happy that you're that you've actually you're you're seeing what I'm seeing. You're you're you're, you're hearing exactly what I'm hearing too. So it's like, you know, it, it's it's a blessed meeting. I'm 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 very happy to have met you, and and I'm looking so forward to hanging out with you and working with you. And you know what? And and great stories. I'm sure you got a million of them. So I, I can't wait. I'll be like a little kid with a lollipop sitting in front of you. Yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna try to make some. Gonna, I can't wait to hear the stories that I get next Friday, the twenty fifth. I'm interviewing Malmstein live oh, at one man. of the shows, and and uh, I've always been a fan, you know, in that. But I've heard I've heard a lot of stories about him, and so you know, I'm I'm just really interested in. It. But anyway. That's How old is he? He's Ingve's only probably what about six, maybe sixty. I know he's got to be older than sixty because I'm I'm fifty six. He was quite young, and that's I, I was his first outing. Didn't didn't that come out like eighty two around there? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was somewhere was, around there. Yeah, I thought he was only like twenty. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, I, don't know. I think I saw him on the. I saw I saw him live the first four albums. You know, I saw him. I don't know. I saw him like eight times in one year. Oh man! His, because his... because because like with with Beck or Rhodes or Eddie Van Halen or some, this was a guy that was doing something that nobody else was doing at the time. No, no, he was. He was it was completely fresh. And if you saw him in those days, man. The dude was friggin' amazing. I mean, <laughs> absolutely amazing. I mean, I'm you know, people say stuff now, but it doesn't matter because he was absolutely amazing. Yeah. But the point, but but getting back to where I was, you know, seeing you seeing you guys play live in that, I mean, the the chemistry and the the uh you know the the just the energy in that is is really something people really I think you know, it, when you guys can get out on a grander scale and really begin to to tour the country and stuff, I mean, I think people are going to be amazed when they see you guys. I, I, I really do. I, 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 you know what? By the reactions we get playing to people that don't know us, I can believe that. I really can. And 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 the thing is, if we and if we get the chance, which we usually do, to actually go out and mingle with people. And that's a big, big part of this band is yeah. we have a lot of, we don't even want to call them fans. They're friends, yeah. people that, that they like to hang out. They like to come see us. They, you know what? And, and to me, I would love that on a grand scale. I would love to be able to pull up to a, a city and play to 500 people wherever I want to play in the, in the country and give them my life in one night, you know, really. And I think, I think the band can do that. I really, I, I know we can. I mean, we've done it. We've been, we've been doing it a long time, of course. But, um, you know, we have proof from recent gigs that, you know what, this is working here. This is working. For Billy Sheehan to say, hey, guys, you know what, I'd love to produce you guys. And then me like being like, yeah, I'm sure he says to all the guys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then the next day I, I hit him on Messenger and he answers right back and says, really enjoyed your band last night. You guys were excellent. Keep in touch. A heart, a music sign, and a peace sign he sent me. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? 
that's what we need more of. I need, I need to surround, like you were saying, I need to surround myself with those guys. I need to be, because I need, I need some, I need more energy. I need to get more energy from these guys. And he, he made us feel so great that night. I remember getting together. We played like two nights later, we played again and everyone walked in with nice smiles on their face, you know, like, you know, we earned that win, you know, and it was great. And the audience loved us. And it was, it was really a, a kick for me to have like a 17 year old kid who just started playing guitar, grab my arm. Like I remember grabbing, you know, Greg Allman's arm, you know, and, and being like, dude, you guys are unbelievable. Yeah, I, I can't believe, you know, and, and like, you know, like flabbergasted. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. This kid's 17 years old. He got it. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a child of the seventies, a guitar player. And he totally caught it. He totally saw what we were doing. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Cause I think we really can. I think we really can bring the audiences that feel that feel again from that era of music and in a, in a sense of a rock band. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I, 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 I want us to just keep going and I have a ton of new ideas, a ton, but yeah. I, I gotta be smart on how I, I bring them in because we need to get our, keep getting our live, make our live show really spark. So at rehearsals, we'll jam and come up with different things. But I think the band, I would say probably sometime around the winter time, I'm going to start springing up a whole bunch of new songs for everybody to listen to because yeah. I just want to keep the, the ball going. Everyone, our last five songs that we that we we recorded are some of our best songs ever. And and I, I know where we left off as a band. Yeah. And, you know, and I got I'm I'm getting better at documenting the things I write. You know, as a kid, you're like, oh, I'll remember. And then you wake up the next day and you don't. You're right. And right, right. so I'm good now. I'm, I write little cheat notes and, you know, I'll put little things like the reminder, like, oh, this is kind of like, you know, a Dolly Dagger, Jimi Hendrix, you know. And I'll by remembering where, where I was in my head, I can remember the thing. So I'm up to about 12 to 15 ideas now that I actually don't have written down. But I visit them every two, three days. I just go and I tickle them a little bit to keep them alive, you know, and not yeah. finish them. Cause I like the band to put a stamp on the music together. And right. that's a big, that I'm a big believer in that. You can be a great songwriter and great guitar player, but if you, if the, the final result of you allowing other people to put their hands in the, in the pie together, you come up with something you could never come up with by yourself. And, right. and yeah. And it doesn't matter how great, even as great technically the other musicians are. It's about like we were talking about before, the importance of the song. Yeah. So if, if if the song's right there in everyone's heart, a, bit, a little bit of them is in that song, then it's it's going to work. It's going to work, and we can do it. And I'm I'm looking. I'm definitely looking forward to us getting out there and playing. And I, I want to jam with more guitar players. I love doing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's my favorite thing to do to jam yeah. with other people. Yeah. Well, that's cool, Sal. I tell you what, man. I appreciate the conversation. You Me know, too, really bro. Do. I'm looking forward to working with you guys in the in the future in that. And man, knock them dead tomorrow night with Glenn Hughes. That's gonna be great. Yes. yes. I'm gonna get a good night's sleep. I'll make sure that I'm I'm like ready to go tomorrow. Yeah, good for you, man. And we will talk real soon, okay? We will, Jimmy. And thanks a million, bro. No, thank you, man. Take care. Be well. Yep.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sal. I appreciate him being on the show, and I wish their new single that's coming out on Friday, No Way to Live, all the success in the world. Go to ColossalStreetJam.com or FretBarRecords.com to learn more about the band and the release. Make sure that you're following them on social media. Like, follow, and share. You know how it goes in that. And uh, next week, you want to tune in. Martin Barr from Jethro Tull is going to be here. Yeah. Yeah, I just said it, Martin Barr from Jethro Tull. Man, what a great conversation that is. You're going to enjoy that as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. And for all my fans around the world, man, thank you so much in that. I really appreciate it. Now, you all take care, and I'll see you next Wednesday. <laughs>